The bell is rung. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of In-Ring Reality. This is our WWE Backlash and Raw Takeaways edition of the show. It's yours truly, your host, Josh Rizowskis. Had some things come up yesterday and was not able to record. So I started thinking, well, I could combine and do four reviews for Ron Backlash. But then I thought to myself, if I'm being honest with myself and honest with you, my viewers slash listeners, there wasn't really anything from either show that was really a massive takeaway situation where you need to do a blow-by-blow account of either show because Backlash, as I predicted it would be, and as many others within our wrestling space probably also predicted it would be, was just a B-level pay-per-view. It was just a throwaway pay-per-view, and quite frankly, it just was not a very good show. And then Raw last night was also a lot of promos and very little action and just sort of planted the seeds for things that are going forward, things that were started at Backlash. So as I was putting together a plan for today's stream, I just thought the best way to go about it would be to stream slash recording. So hello to those of you out there, of course, as always, who prefer the audio only experience as well. Never mean to exclude you um, and think that you're less important to the show than those who watch it live on Facebook and YouTube or watch it via the video replay. But anyway, as I started planning today's stream slash recording, I started thinking about, well, I've got two shows to cover, so what is the best way of doing this? And I thought in the end that the best way to do this is just to do a takeaways edition where I talk about the really, really big points of both Backlash on Sunday and Raw last night on this Tuesday and how they sort of go together. And then we'll return with the normal review format on Thursday when we do our NXT and AEW Dynamite reviews separately. And of course, on Friday, we'll have our weekly news show and Sunday will be the SmackDown review. But rather than try to combine two shows together and spend an hour plus with all of you, I thought this would be much easier for me to do as the host and much easier for you as the audience to digest. Real quickly, for those of you that were watching live, I do want to apologize. There was a quick cough from me right at the beginning of the live stream, so I do apologize if you saw a pause coming out of the intro and then saw me redo the intro. That was the reason for that. So that in the audio only version, I just have an easy edit point for the show. So obviously, as the title says, as my big talking point 
says, and as is on the thumbnail for the visual version of the show, the big question is, was Edge versus Randy Orton the greatest wrestling match ever? Did it actually live up to that hype? Short answer is no. No. Of course it didn't. Because just like I've been saying for a month now, and just like everyone else within the space has been saying since this happened, and even Edge said himself, as we covered on Friday's news show from this past Friday, giving something the billing of the greatest wrestling match ever does nothing but purposely shoot it in the foot and makes it to where it just has impossible standards to live up to. So no, it was not the greatest wrestling match ever because the greatest wrestling match ever is going to be subjective anyway. It's just the reality of the situation that WWE put themselves in. However, what I'm going to say that might be a little bit different than what some others in the space say, specifically about one aspect of it, which I'll get into, is that for me, I thought that this combination cinematic slash normal wrestling match was very, very good. I enjoyed this 45-minute match between Edge and Orton way more than I thought I would. And the controversial thing that I think will come from me, if you want to call it that, but again, I don't really believe in controversial opinions because the reason for everybody to have their own show and the reason for you, the viewers, to view and listen to other pundits within the space is to get different opinions. For me, I liked both the enhanced audio which was WWE's way of saying we're going to pipe in crowd noise because I thought that that added to the atmosphere of the match and made it different. And I liked the cutaways and the different camera angles and the way that they did the reshoots. I, of course, don't like what has come out since, which is that Edge got himself injured and tore his tricep and will now be out six to eight months, unfortunately, after just coming back. That is absolutely devastating news, and my heart is just broken in a million different ways and in a million different pieces for Edge. But I just, I do like what the match itself was in the moment. I thought it really worked. I even like the way that Randy Orton throughout the match was actually almost working with Edge to the extent that he really wanted he and Edge to live up to this building and have the greatest wrestling match ever. And then at the end, he became slimy Randy Orton and punched him in the nut with a low blow and hit a punt. That's right. We saw the punt. Not once, but twice, because we also saw it on Raw, which I'll get in 
to hear momentarily because as I said, I'm going to thread Backlash and Raw together in terms of continuity and my big takeaways from the two shows. I liked that Randy Orton went to that extreme, but not until the very end. And I liked the punt coming out because the punt is an extreme measure. It is something we haven't seen in countless years. And it is something that is 100% the thing, the calling card, if you will, of the legend killer. It is a legend killer associated move. And because that's what he has pretty much said he is going to do to Edge is kill another legend. And because of what we saw on Raw, which we're about to get into, I feel like this is a 2020 version of the legend killer, Randy Orton. So I really liked all the aspect of this match. And I especially liked the idea of them being like, okay, we're trying to have the greatest wrestling match ever. So let's incorporate the moves of some other great superstars in the match, which again, I don't think I've heard anybody else within the space talk positively about that. But for me, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really nice. And then we saw Kurt Angle being attributed to. We saw Eddie Guerrero being attributed to. We saw The Rock being attributed to. And there were probably a few others through the course of the match that I'm forgetting about. So, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I thought for the situation that Randy Orton and Edge were put in, they put on a very, very good match. It's a memorable match. Is it something that we are going to talk about in 25 years? As the greatest wrestling match ever? Lord, no. It's not even close to Okada Omega 6. It's not even close to Taker Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. It's not even close to Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels at Mania 12. It's not even close to Savage Steamboat at WrestleMania 3. It's not even close to Jericho Michaels at WrestleMania 19. It's not even close to Undertaker versus Triple H or WrestleMania 28. So no, we're not going to be remembering it that way. But we're not going to be remembering the match as a train wreck. And also, when you start hearing about a report that's come out today, and again, this is not the news show, so I normally don't talk about news, but this is relevant to what I'm talking about here with why I like this match. The cinematic presentation and elements of this match was supposed to be originally, supposedly, a Saudi Arabia thing where they wanted to have the quote-unquote greatest wrestling match ever. And when you think about the history of WWE and Saudi Arabia, this makes a whole lot of sense. It makes a whole lot of sense because the idea is that they wanted to have 
that happen just like they've wanted to have it happen in the past. So I like this from that standpoint because it makes it make a whole lot more sense. And it just makes the whole thing flow together. So I get yeah, again, I thought for what Edge and Randy Orton were given, I thought they did the best with a bad situation. I'm devastated for Edge's injury, but what we saw last night on Raw was a continuation of this because we saw Randy Orton be confronted by Christian. Christian came out to defend his friend from Backlash and came out to call Randy Orton an SOB and say that you're you're a SOB and that you don't care about what you did to Edge at all. And I'm here to stand up for my friend and are you happy that you've you know postponed Edge's career again? And if you think you ended the redemption story of Edge, you've got another thing coming. Randy Orton says, Look man, I know what you're here for, Christian. You want a another match. You want a match. You want one more match, just like you've always wanted. And Christian's like, no, no, man, I'm done. I'm done. I, I don't want one more match. I'm just here to defend my friend. And Rainey basically goats him into it. So all night long, we have a thread where Christian is struggling with this idea. Does he actually go through with having a match with Orton or does he not? We saw a returning Big Show who showed up out of nowhere on Raw try to comfort him and give him his thoughts on the situation. And we saw Ric Flair who was there on Raw. We originally thought just to be there with his daughter Charlotte. But we saw him try to talk Christian out of the match as well. But in the end, Christian comes out with about five minutes left on the show. So what we saw was not so much a match, but an angle. They look at each other. They're about to go at it. Ric Flair's music hits. Ric Flair comes out and once again is like, no, no, man. I just talked to Edge. This isn't cool. Don't do this. Nobody expects you to do this right now. Don't be that way. Don't do it. And what happens as a result of that? So Ric Flair, Ric Flair gives a low blow to Edge. Or no, not Edge. Sorry, to Christian. He gives a low blow to Christian and says that you shouldn't have done this, basically. Sets Christian up for a punt. Randy Orton delivers the punt and gently pins Edge. Or sorry, I keep saying Edge because Edge is on my brain, obviously. But pins Christian, gently pins him one 
two, three in the middle of the ring. And then as a result, he sort of snaps back into reality where he says, what we have here is that I didn't want this to happen. I didn't want to do this, but why are you here, Christian? Why are you here? You're getting in my way. You're trying to take my spot. You're trying to take my livelihood. So Randy Orton literally was wrestling with his subconsciousness and saying, this is why this happened. He was justifying to himself why what happened to Christian happened. So I really am digging this because this is the slowly psychotic over time Randy Orton that we should have gotten probably way back when the legend killer gimmick first was happening. We probably should have seen a natural progression into a psycho killer. But what we're getting now is that in 2020. And it looks like Ric Flair is healed now. And Ric Flair is going to team up with Orton. And there's going to be a Ric Flair-Randy Orton partnership in 2020, of all things. So, yeah, I really, really, I was not expecting to both enjoy the Orton Edge match for what it was. And also, I was not expecting a thread to continue with Christian that would end with Ric Flair siding with Orton and maybe he's going to help Orton target other legends who don't know how to step away like he was forced to do so. Like, I really like everything that's going on right now with Randy Orton. And Randy Orton probably might just be the next challenger for the WWE champion, Drew McIntyre, who did retain over Bobby Lashley, which was one of the other big takeaways from Backlash and Raw. This was a good match between Lashley and McIntyre, and it ended exactly the way you would expect it to end, with Lana literally costing Lashley the victory. So then, on Raw, Lashley tells Lana he wants a divorce to get away from her. MVP throughout the night had a match scheduled for himself and Bobby Lashley against Drew McIntyre and the 24-7 champion R-Truth. He goats Drew McIntyre into agreeing to put both the 24-7 championship and the WWE championship on the line in the tag match after some coercion and confusion by Truth. They agree to that. Then Truth tries to fix the problem because he realizes after Drew talks to him for a minute that he may have just inadvertently screwed over Drew and doesn't want Drew to go through that. So he quote-unquote fixes the problem by fixing it to where only the WWE Championship is on the line in the match. So it's only Drew McIntyre's title on the line. So it was a nice thread of mystery throughout the match. Drew McIntyre gets a hot tag from R-Truth. Drew McIntyre hits the Claymore on to MVP. 
And then he allows Truth to get the pin off the old Enzo and Cash splash from the top rope. Tyke segment, so Truth gets the pin because Truth got called a clown by MVP throughout the night. So this was a lot of fun. And if this is not the end of Lashley McIntyre for the time being, there's enough there to work and give Bobby Lashley one more chance at the title. So I really, really liked it. And like I said, I think maybe, just maybe, it might also be a situation where it was set up to be a thing where it could be Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton as the next WWE Championship feud. The next big takeaway was that Apollo Crews is still United States Champion as he won a quick match over Andrade that was unfortunately for him moved to the Backlash pre-show. But he did win, did retain after Kevin Owens on the outside takes out Angel Garza who was trying to interfere. So then the next night Apollo has another United States Championship match lined up against Shelton Benjamin. MVP comes back stage and tries to recruit Apollo and says, Hey, Apollo, if you want to be a fighting champion, that's great, but you got to be a fart, uh, fart, sorry, a smart fighting champion. That's why the word fart accidentally came in my mouth because I was trying to say fighting and smart. I apologize. But anyway, you got to be a smart fighting champion to where you can easily sort of realize your full potential. And Apollo Crews turns down MVPs, advances, says, if I'm not a fighting champion, I'm not a champion at all. But then in the match, after Angel Garza gets caught with his feet on the ropes by the referee and isn't able to win the United States title, or sorry, Angel Garza, Shelton Benjamin was had his feet on the ropes. And after that happened and he was not allowed to get the victory, Apollo Crews then turned around and puts his right hand onto the ropes to help him get the pinfall and retain the United States title. So again, maybe subtly building toward an Apollo Crews heel turn and him actually aligning down the road with MVP. Nice, subtle storytelling makes a lot of sense and I really, really liked it. And the other big takeaway from Backlash because Asuka's still Raw Women's Champion she beat Nia Jax via a double count-out victory on Backlash. And then Nia got herself DQ'd slash fast-counted after pushing the referee down on Raw. So there's not much to talk about with Asuka. So the other big takeaway in my opinion, from Backlash and Raw, was a little bit of how ridiculous this whole situation between the Viking Prophets, as they're now known, the Street Prophets, and the Viking Raiders has gotten. 
Because I talked about how to me, it slowly, slowly, slowly got more and more and more out of hand as time has gone on. And it also just doesn't make sense. Well, that really got amplified at Backlash. Because at Backlash, we had a Raw tag team title match between the two teams advertised to go down, right? It was advertised to happen. And instead, what we got was a cinematic match where they were fighting each other. There were flashbacks involved of everything else that happened. And then Akira Tozawa comes rolling up, right? And he's got a gang of ninjas with him, which forces the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders to realize that in order to take down this threat, they've got to work together to become the Viking prophets and so then they take out Akira Tozawa and a band of ninjas I mean don't get me wrong Tozawa was hilarious in this he did the best he possibly could do with a horribly stereotype book situation and we saw it continue on Raw thanks to the big show telling the Viking prophets that they needed to have a one-on-one match for the Raw Attack Team titles to finally settle the Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better series. But we saw the ninjas and Akira Tozawa challenge the four guys again, and that's when Big Show showed up out of nowhere, returning to Raw as a face to help the teams out in victory. So it looks like we're finally going to get a one-on-one Raw Tag Team Championship match to end this quote-unquote feud. And I wouldn't mind the Viking Prophets being a thing because, as I said, through all the problems, I've actually really enjoyed the chemistry between these four guys. And I think they're very, very good at what they've been given as far as material to go with and do. But at the same time, if they are going to be together as a unit, who are they going to be feuding with? And how are they going to justify the comedic segments without it getting really stale really fast? So it might just be time for them to truly end it after the match. We will have to wait and see what happens. So we've got a women's tag team championship match on NXT as Bailey and Sasha retained at Backlash, then they're also going to face the Iconics next week on Raw. And yeah, for me, that is all of the big takeaways from Backlash and from Monday Night Raw. So before I do sign off, I have a few comments that came in on the live version. So I'm going to see what the live audience had to say. Black Adam says the enhanced audio did have me tuned in. I didn't realize how much I missed crowd noises. Exactly. Exactly. The crowd noises really did make a difference and make the match better, in my opinion. It made it feel more like a real match. Black Adam also says, to be fair, Randy Orton has been doing the angle slam for years now. I don't know why People just now paid attention to it. To be fair, that is very true. 
That is very, very true. He has been doing it for a long time, but he doesn't use it that often. So I think that's why it's just now being noticed by a lot of people, really. It's probably for that reason. But yes, you're 100% right, Black Adam. Randy Orton has been doing the angle slam for quite some time. And finally, he says, hashtag, it's not even close. With a funny emoji face. Yeah, not even close to being the greatest wrestling match of all time, for sure. Not even close. So, yeah, those are my thoughts and my takeaways, once again, from Backlash 2020 and Monday Night Raw this week. As always, if you're new here and you like what you saw slash heard, do consider subscribing on YouTube, giving us a thumbs up on YouTube, giving us a follow on Facebook, and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't use Apple Podcasts as your preferred streaming platform, as it really does help me to grow the show and make it a premier wrestling podcast for all of you. I do appreciate each and every one of you out there. As I always like to say, life is only as good as what you choose to make it to be. So please make the choice to go out and do something great today.